Well, we are so glad that you're here with us today, and hopefully we're looking forward to a mild winter, not a very uh, cold winter. But uh, if you're new with us today and you need a little bit of a refresher uh, on where we've been, uh, we're in the middle of a sermon series called The Dream Giver. And it's based off of uh, this book uh, by the same name by Bruce Wilkinson. And uh, there's a few left in the back there. If you still want to pick that up, we'd encourage you uh, to do that. But we've been going through this series the last several weeks at all of Hope's campuses. And um, the, the first half of the book is, is a parable. And it's about a character named Ordinary. And maybe you're jumping in new on this series today and you're like, oh no, I'm behind. Well, I'm going to get you caught up in 30 seconds here. So the whole book starts out with this. Uh, There's a character named Ordinary, and it says this, Not long ago, and not far away, a nobody named Ordinary lived in the land of familiar. And then what happens, of course, is the story continues, is that this character, Ordinary, ends up getting a big dream, a, a, a desire that the dream giver has put on his heart. And he decides to go and pursue that dream, and so he has to overcome his fears, his, his comfort zone, and eventually... He leaves the land of the familiar. And a few weeks ago, we talked about how sometimes that when we step past our fears and we go chasing our dreams, we encounter people who sometimes oppose our dream. And for our conversation, we've called them border bullies, people that guard the borders of our lives, people that come along and can squash the dreams that God's given to us. But then as the story continues, you would think that after our character has found his dream, he's gone after his big dream, he's pursued it, he's conquered some of his fears, he's made it past the border bullies. You'd think now that on his pursuit, that right around the corner, everything will go great. Right around the corner will be his big dream, and he'll realize that it's probably only a few steps away, or maybe not. But indeed, instead, ordinary finds himself in a place place that Wilkinson calls the wasteland. And there's lots of different metaphors for this, the wasteland, the wilderness, or as we'll talk about it today, the desert. I like how a pastor named Jeff Mannion refers to this place in his writings, and he calls it the land between. The land between. And I want to start by asking you a question today. Have you ever felt like you're having a desert experience in your life? You ever felt kind of dry or you're wandering around, like you're somewhere between where you started in life and where you'd like to be. But in its simplest form, all of us are on a journey, and we're trying to figure out how to get from here to there. And the the guys and gals in the back that uh, set up our computer stuff were uh, really admiring my uh, just very professional diagram uh, earlier today. And it's, it's not that complicated. Every single one of us is on a journey in our lives, and we started somewhere. And whether that's your faith journey or your life journey or a journey of marriage or a relationship, we all start somewhere, and there's all this ideal place where we would like to be. For some of you, that's your dream. Your there is the dream. For some of you, that's finding someone to spend the rest of your life with. For some of you, it's getting that promotion. For some of you, it's landing that job you've always wanted. For some of you, it's getting that house. We all want to move from here to there. But if we're honest and we're realistic with ourselves, most of us live a large majority of our lives in the land between. That's where we live most of our days. 
And so at this point in the message, some of you are going to turn out, tune out and probably say, okay, that's great, John, you know, all these dreamers and you're going after your dream, but that doesn't really apply to me because I'm trying to be a responsible adult. I'm, I'm just taking an honest look at life and, and I'm doing what I need to do to get by, to just make it through another week. Well, if that's you today, then you probably know what it's like to feel stuck in the grind day after day, the weekly cycle. Well, then you probably know about the desert as well. Or maybe today you're like, oh, no, this message isn't going to really apply to me. This whole dreaming thing doesn't apply because you, you don't get it because I've pretty much shoved all those dreams and desires for life under the rug because you don't get it because of my past. Because of my past, because of my sin, because of the mistakes that I've made in the past, I'm disqualified from the pursuit. I'm disqualified from having dreams. And you're saying, okay, I'm kind of feeling like I'm in the desert, but in a much different way. I'm somewhere between innocence and those long lost hopes that I once had for my life. In other words, you're in the desert too. (laughs) And so no matter what you're feeling today, even if you have joy and excitement in your life today, all of us have experienced the land in between. All of us have experienced the desert at one point in our lives. And so the good news is we all start here today, as I look around, we're all in the same boat. (laughs) We have experienced some of the exact same things because we're human, because all of us know what it's like to wrestle with where we are to where we're going. The desert is a familiar place for all of us today. And so just to get us all on the same page, why don't you just turn to your neighbor and those people around you, just kind of give them a little elbow and say, Hey, we're in this together. I can feel the love. It's just exuding from you. It's okay to like each other. That's good. Uh, so the desert, the land in between and rather fitting because that's right where we find ourselves in the story of the Israelites today. We've been reading through Exodus the past four or five weeks, and so if you've got your Bibles, if you've still got those open, let's turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, 1 through 6. Uh, once again, that's on page 57 if you're looking around. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the very beginning, you're going to come to Genesis and then Exodus. And so the Israelites, God's people, um, are, are traveling and, and they're saying to us today, Hey, we're in this together with you. <laughs> it's thousands of years later, but the Israelites are somewhere in the land between as well. We've been following them on their journey out of Egypt the last few weeks. But if you can remember way, way, way back, you don't have to turn there right now, but way back in Exodus chapter three, God gave a big dream to Moses as well. God appears to Moses in this burning bush. And this is what God says. I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt and into a land flowing with milk and honey. That's God's big dream for his people. And so after much convincing, Moses said, I'm not your guy. I don't really want to. Moses finally agrees. And Moses goes and he goes to the people of Israel and he invites them into God's dream to go from where they are to where God wants them to be, to the promised land. And we know the story that that God leads the people out of Egypt and and God does this amazing miracle and he parts the Red Sea and and Moses kind of with his Charlton Heston look up there has got his staff and, and it's an amazing miracle and he's leading the way. 
And now they're out in the middle of nowhere. And if you're an Israelite at this point, you're probably feeling pretty good still because no more slavery. We're not in Egypt anymore. No more Pharaoh. And the promised land should just be right around the corner, right? We'll just step into this, this new land and then it'll be the promised land. But an important detail that's important for us to talk about this morning is that when God gave that dream to Moses at the burning bush, and when God gives dreams to us, he doesn't always mention the desert. He says, I know exactly where you are and exactly what you're dealing with in your life today. And I know where I want to take you. I know the kind of person that you want to become. But we don't talk about the desert. But like we said, that's where we spend the majority of our lives. We'd love it if life was just getting from point A to point B. I mean, what's the shortest distance between two places? A straight line, right? And so you would think that that's the way that life would go. But that's not how it goes for us, and that's not how it went for the Israelites. If you look at this map, um, that's where, over here is Egypt, and that's where the Israelites started from. And so as we've been going through these weeks, we've been following the Israelites. There they are. Look at that. Three cheers for Carrie. So she's got the little cursor. And so, Carrie, tell us what would be the direct route over to Jerusalem. Just up there at the top. Boom, right there, right? You would think that the Israelites, that they would just follow the Mediterranean Sea. Ooh, this could be even cooler. And they would just go, right? Or they get on their yachts and just, no. This is the shortest distance, right? But look at the red line. 40 years, people. Okay, think about this. Realistically, it was about a 260-mile journey from Egypt to Israel, to kind of that Jerusalem area there, okay? You would think that they would just follow the coast, but somehow this ended up taking 40 years. That's only six miles a year. And even if you're walking, that's pretty realistic, right? Something is terribly wrong here. Because just like the Israelites, we know that the reality of trips is that they never quite go as we anticipate, right? So I'm driving around sort of a wasteland-type area in northern Iowa. I have nothing against northern Iowa. I went to school there. Not northern Iowa, the northern part of Iowa, not the Panthers. So I'm driving around up there, and you know it's harvest season. And I'm cruising along going 50, 57 miles an hour. And I'm cruising along, and I'm, I'm headed home, and all of a sudden, everything starts to slow down. And I look up ahead, not one, not two, not three, four combines, okay? One lane traffic, four combines, probably going an average speed, a maximum speed of 20, an average speed of 12, okay? I've been going 56 miles an hour, and now I'm going 15 miles an hour, but... Of course, you know, uh, as a pastor, uh, I smile and I, I pray and I, I offer a prayer of blessing. No, I didn't. There was a lot of hair pulling and screaming and a lot of, come on, people, let's go, pull it aside. I, I, I thought I could just, you know, kind of go in the ditch and come back up and go around, like coming up with all these schemes, like not even close to going as I planned. It felt like 40 years, although the cornfields are a little bit nicer than the desert, but the trip never goes as we plan, and of course, my wife and I were racing home, and she beat me, and I'm like, combines, I can't handle that, and all that. So, 
Got to work in those variables. But the same thing is true for the Israelites. God had other ideas. Let me read this to you from Exodus 13, just a few chapters before. Starting in verse 17. So this is a little bit farther back in the story. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, the straight line, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So listen to this, verse 18. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. little fun fact here for you. A little Bible fun fact. Bet you didn't know that roundabouts were actually God's idea, right? God led them in a roundabout way. Those of you that have experienced roundabouts, you know what a headache that can be. Well, take it up with God. That was his idea. So I'm sure that the Israelites never could have imagined what lay ahead of them, but neither could we. But nevertheless, God says, I'm going to take you on a different route but you're not going to be alone in the desert. God says, I will lead you with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. But if you remember that map, I wonder what the Israelites were thinking when they started heading out. And instead of going straight, the pillar of fire that they're following turns right and takes a sharp right detour. God, what in the world are you thinking? Have you ever experienced one of those detours in your life? Maybe you've taken a detour, maybe five or six. You thought you knew where things were headed in your life, and then whether by a choice of your own or circumstances that are beyond your control, your life takes a hard right. It takes a detour, and that's how your journey ends up looking. A relationship fails. A job suddenly ends. A family member dies. And it's in these moments, very similar to the Israelites in the desert, when we start to question and we say, God, what happened? Did I I miss the wrong turn somewhere, God? Are you still with me? Does God know what he's doing? Well, the answer is yes, of course. Even when the road takes a turn, the pillar of fire that still leads us, shines brightly. But sometimes on our journey, God says, I'm going to take you the roundabout way. Because as individuals, we can have desert experiences, but also as communities, as groups of people, we can have desert experiences as well. City Branch is now two and a half, over two and a half years old. And I can honestly say, I can honestly say, I have never been more excited about what God is doing here in the city. And I just want you to know, I I think about you a lot, even when I have lots of time, when I'm stuck behind combines, I think about you. I think about you because we're a family. And when I think about you, I am just blown away with gratitude. I'm, 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 I'm blown away that you would care, that you would desire to serve so much that you would be willing to set out on a journey from here to there. We're starting a church in the city and we're going to meet in an elementary school gym. And you're going to do Bible studies in your homes and in coffee shops. 
And we're going we're gonna to cram into people's basements and we're going to study God's word together. And we're going to rebuild houses and we're going to serve God in that way. And we're going to follow this pillar of fire wherever it leads. As a community, as a church, we're in the land between as well. P- between where we started with a group of people who two and a half years ago said, it is our burning heart's desire to connect our friends and neighbors in that area of the city with Jesus. And in many ways, I have to be- tell you, we're doing it. Yes, we're in the land in between, but that doesn't mean that God is most powerfully at work through us, just as he was through the Israelites. Things are happening People have come to know Jesus for the first time. People have been baptized. Marriages have been restored. Families have been brought back together. People in the city through you now have food and shelter and clothing and jobs. On any given week, there's close to a hundred of you. There's close to a hundred of you meeting in homes and coffee shops and basements throughout the city, challenging each other to go deeper in your faith. For many of you, For the first time in your life, you found a place that you can call home. Because we followed the dream that God had for hope in the city. And it's not about us. It's all about him. But as with any journey, ours is just beginning. And we're probably a little bit closer to here than we are there. Because God's taking us places. Greater things are still to come in the city. And we're in that land in between. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy as a community to be in the land in between. And sometimes it's setting up chairs and sometimes it's making coffee and and sometimes it's, it's cleaning up the gym afterwards or sometimes it's remodeling a home like our teams did yesterday. And you had so many better things to do. You had so many things that you could have done, but you came and you served because you knew that it wasn't just about them, that you were going to get more out of it that you were going to be changed in the process. And sometimes it's hard to be in the desert, even as a church, in the land in between. Where are we headed? Where is God taking us? And sometimes it's messy, and sometimes it's inconvenient. And then we ask sometimes, is it worth it? Just like the Israelites, was it, was it worth it to leave Egypt and to set out into the unknown as a group? But it's then that we ask God to wake us up and remind us that every little piece, every ounce of love and every ounce of service is worth it because we're making a difference one life at a time. And to see the look in people's eyes when they experience Jesus for the first time through you, what could be better than that? What could be better than that? We follow the pillar of fire because God's promises are true. And we're not there yet, but this is where God has us right now. Sometimes we get into thinking, oh, when we get there as a church, or when I get there in my life, then all my problems will be solved and everything will be easier. But I want to tell you today that God has us as a church right where he wants us. And he has you as a follower of Christ right where he wants you. God is on the move and we're moving forward, but we have everything that we need right now to do what God has called us to do. I truly believe, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. There are incredible things happening all around us if we would just stop and take the time to breathe it in. God's spirit is here. 
just as it was for the Israelites in the desert. At the same time that God is fully present right here, God has an incredibly bright future for us, for this church. The past few months as pastors and and leaders at Hope, there's this vision that's being developed and it's called the 2020 vision. Every 10 years that we sit down with with Pastor Mike, our senior pastor, and we all get together and we say, and we pray and we think and we pray some more and we ask God, what do you want to do for the next 10 years? What is Hope going to look like at all of our campuses? What are we going to look like in 2020? And in a few weeks, that vision is going to be made public. And all I can say is, hold on to your hats, folks. We haven't seen nothing yet. Nothing yet. It is incredibly exciting. I think we've only begun to see what God has in store. And you know what? There might be future buildings, and there might be future events, and there might be future ministries and new worship service services, but... I want us to dream about that stuff, but more than that, what's most important, what I want us to be dreaming about every single day is as individuals, how can we, how can I as an individual continue to be blown away by God's love? How can I be wrecked, just completely overwhelmed by God's love to the point where I can't help but tell other people? That's going to get us from here to there. That's what makes a church a church. And in the meantime, we keep dreaming. And in the meantime, we keep serving. And we keep loving our neighbors because that's why we're here. We don't need one more church building in Des Moines. We need more of the life-changing love of Jesus Christ flowing into the streets and homes and businesses and campuses and schools through you. That's what the city desperately needs. We're in the land between. We're here together as a community and we're on this incredible journey. But this experience in the desert, we have that as individuals as well. Maybe some of you can relate to some of these scenarios. For a lot of us, we graduate with college from a degree and we're ready to use it and we get out in the real world and we're ready to pursue our dreams And then a few years later, we're struggling to get by. We're struggling to pay the bills and we're living in a tiny little apartment or we're living with our parents or we have the same job that we had when we were in high school. Maybe for some of you, it's been a time of wandering and wondering, when is God going to bring that special person into my life? And you're about ready to just throw in the towel. Maybe you're wandering today and and you're wondering, how much longer am I going to have to bleed financially before we have to start to make some major cuts in our lives? What is the desert experience for you today? I have to put this in there, but on a little bit lighter note, for you fellow Hawkeye fans out there, losing our second game of the year, it might feel like we're going into a desert experience. But on the other hand, as my wife has reminded me 18 times in the last 12 hours, for Cyclone fans, beating Texas in Austin, I think you're on your way out of the desert. I think, I think, that was really hard for me to say. Moving on. You might be on your way out. But for the Israelites, it was an actual desert. But for you, it might be you're on that desert experience in your journey of faith. I've been there before. Have you? You ever experienced one of those dry times? And you're just feeling disconnected from God. Things are just dry. 
For a lot of us, we, we remember the days when our faith was filled with joy and excitement and we couldn't wait to serve and we couldn't wait to grow and know God more. But somehow along the journey, our faith just became routine and it became obligation. It became something that you do to just feel good about yourself. It's a good thing to do is to go to church. Well, where's the joy in that? Where's the life that Jesus promises? And so these days, the Bible just maybe seems boring and irrelevant to you. On the outside, I'm great, I'm happy. And on the inside, you're crumbling. For those of you that are maybe reading through the dream giver and setting out and pursuing some of your dreams, the desert is that place between the initial joy of birthing the dream and the time when it comes true. And for most of us, and actually for Moses, it was his entire life. Moses never got to see his dream come true. It's Joshua that led the people into the promised land. But if you're anything like me, at one point or another, you share in that universal cry that we all have when we're in the desert, and it's what the Israelites say in verse 7. If you've got your finger there on chapter 17, 7, I wonder, has this ever been your prayer to God? Is the Lord here with us or not? Relationally, financially, in your faith. Maybe that's you right now. And you're asking, God, are you still with me in this? Or am I just kind of left to figure it out on my own? Because the reality is, and this might be one of the most important things that we can remember all day, the desert can be a place where our dreams go to die. Or the desert can be a place where our dreams go to grow. And a lot of times it's up to us what that outcome is. And so today, as a church, I pray that we would be people who are not surprised, who are not shocked, who are not thrown for a loop when the desert experiences come our way. The Israelites are out there and they're going, God, how could you do this to us? God, we thought that you loved us. What if we could be the kind of followers of God that when trials and heartache and difficulty and pain and sickness come our way, we say, God, I don't understand what's going on and I'm very, very angry and frustrated with you. And God says, okay, bring it. I can take it. <laughs> Give me everything that you got. What if we were the kind of followers of God that had such a peace and a rest deep inside of our souls that could say, God, I don't get it. But I trust you. Imagine what that would do to us. More than comfort. Is there anything that we desire more than for God to grow us? And are we willing to do whatever it takes for God to get us from here to there? I don't know if it still is, but the, the, the welcome sign. To, I've lived in Iowa my whole life. I remember driving in and out, going, especially going to Minnesota. And the welcome sign into Iowa, you remember what that's, the slogan used to be? Welcome to Iowa. A place to grow. And I wonder, as we're driving along the road of life, and we come to the sign and it says, Welcome to the desert. A place to grow. Most of us would say, Yeah, right. Are you serious? That was the worst time of my life. If you're going to the desert, it might be a place to grow. 
Because the reality is, I believe that many things grow in the desert, not just cactuses. I believe that the desert is fertile ground for two key things, complaint or trust. And as we revisit the story of the Israelites in the desert, we see that it's very easy to complain. It's very easy to moan and groan and to doubt when God is silent between here and there. The desert is fertile ground for complaint. And over and over for 40 years, all Moses hears from the people is, there's nothing to eat. We're so tired. Why did you bring us here? We want a better leader. This is just too hard. We're tired of what you've given us. The desert, whatever it is for you today, can be a place where we get stuck and we grow bitter and our hearts become hard. And I wonder, have you experienced the desert for so long that it's left you resentful or angry or bitter at God? Maybe you've been carrying around that burden for way too long and today it's time to return to God's heart and let him speak to you about that one more time. Because when we're in the desert, it's the make or break experiences of our lives. We can either say, God, that's it. I've had it. I've been in the desert for way too long. This is too incredibly hard. Or we can say, God, this is incredibly hard, but I trust you. And the question I want to ask you this morning, and I might want to write this down because we're all going to go through these experiences. Does my complaint move to trust? Does my complaint move to trust? I want to end uh, with this story. This past week, Tiffany and I had a chance to visit some friends in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, after what happened yesterday, I'm never going back again. Um, but we visited a family, and uh, this is the Sharn Horse, and they're, they're a cool family. And they have two little children. And ju- let me just say this. I know, parents, your kids are away right now, and you're, you're, you're breathing um, freely right now. But after spending a couple days, just a couple days, with a three-year-old and a one-year-old, I have a new respect for the world of parenting. You are absolutely incredible people. Do you know that? Like, you're probably laughing inside, and you're laughing at me, and you're like, you have no idea what's coming your way. But I get exhausted just watching these kids, let alone chasing them all over the place. And the thing I realized with, with little kids is everything is an event. Everything in your life becomes an event. We went to Wendy's. It was an event. It's this two-hour event, right? And it's just slop all over everybody. God bless you, parents. Just God bless you. Blessings upon blessings. Anyway, the youngest is Madeline, and she's on the right there. And Madeline is just over one, and we call her Maddie. And uh, she's in that stage where she wants to do everything herself, and she can figure it out herself. And so we're getting ready to go, and she's trying to get her jacket on, and she's just really struggling. And she's kind of learning to walk, too, so she's kind of stumbling around and trying to get her jacket on. It's really cute, and we're laughing at her. But she's stumbling all around, and she's got the coat upside down, and everybody in the room, all the adults are trying to offer help. They're reaching out their hand, and she's in this desert experience of her life, and she's like, nobody's going to help me, and I'm stumbling all around, and I can't get my coat on, and everybody's offering help. And she just kept saying, no, 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 and she kept complaining and complaining and complaining. And then out of nowhere, this little, tiny, cute little girl, she comes up with her little, tiny, little jacket, and she holds it up to me, and she looks me in the eyes and says, help. And it was, it was almost like in her eyes, it's almost like she said, I trust you. 
I, I've given up trying to figure it out on my own, so you're the last place to turn. And her complaining moved to trust. And, and something in, in my heart almost leaped to the point before I knew it, I didn't even think about it. And this little girl that I just met a few days ago, I, I, I came around behind her and I kind of wrapped her in my arms and before I knew it, I was zipping up her jacket. And she was, she was quiet and then I picked her up. And, and I held her in my arms and, and I just thought, what was that in me? And I wondered if, if I didn't even hesitate to help and comfort her. Imagine how our Heavenly Father feels about us. When we say, help. This, this burden I'm carrying, it's a little bit too heavy for me to carry anymore. The same Moses who spent many of those years in the desert. You want to read about complaining. Read Exodus. The same Moses that complained and complained and complained got some help from his daddy. And in Deuteronomy 1.31, it says this. And in the desert, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father all the way until you reached the place where you were going. And I believe that for all of us, when you look back on those times in your life when you grew the most, it was probably the times of pain, crisis, or transition. It's the deserts, friends, because the desert is also fertile ground for our transformation. And if we'll turn to our Father with those simple words, I trust you, I wonder, could it be that those are the very words that God longs to hear from us, but also the words that when we speak them and when we believe them in the very core of who we are, it's going to change us, it's going to transform us in ways that we could never imagine. Trust in this today. The wasteland is never wasted. The wasteland is never wasted. Let's stand together. And I want to uh, end today uh, by reading this scripture today from Romans chapter 5. And I, I believe that today it sums up what God's heart is for every single one of us, no matter what your desert experience might be like. Let's read this together from Romans chapter 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. City Branch, keep the faith today. Even if you're in the desert, keep the faith, keep trusting, and watch how God changes you along the way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.